are many people who are missing lots of their potential because they're holding on to some childish ways of thinking. Today, we'll be learning how replacing childish thinking with mature thinking can give us a better, more positive, and productive life. This message is the 10th in the series, Remind. The message is entitled, From Childishness to Maturity, Part 1. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Go ahead and grab your Bibles this morning and your teaching sheets as we turn our attention to God's Word today. We're involved in a series of messages called Remind, and I want to talk to us today about moving from childishness to maturity in our thinking. The Bible is very clear about the value, the power of your thoughts. And in fact, the Scripture is very clear when it teaches us about our thinking process, that if you're going to change your life, you have to change the way that you think. And many times we as believers don't give a lot of consideration to our thought processes, but the Bible places a significant amount of emphasis on it. Notice Proverbs 4.23. Let's all read it together loud and loudly. I'm going to read. We're going to read today from the New Century Version, so read with me if you will. Be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. Let's read that again. All the folks in Frederick, Gaithersburg as well. Here we go. Be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. In other words, the thoughts that you have, this is the software. It's the operating system of your life. Paul talks about how to change our lives as Christian believers, and he describes this element of thinking in Romans chapter 12, verse number 2. Listen to these words. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So please notice that our transformation as Christian believers, growing into Christ-likeness, becoming more mature in our faith, it involves our thought process. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We can't even discover, really, the will of God until our thought process start, start to change into a more holy and healthy way. Now, in your mind, there are thoughts going on all the time. Your thoughts are really centered around four basic things. As Christian believers throughout your day, I hope that you're spending some time thinking about your relationship with God, that God occupies your thinking. You also think about yourself. Obviously, you're kind of processing things internally during the day and stuff about your own self, your interactions with others that you have to deal with. So you're thinking about God's self. Third, you're thinking about other people. How did I just come across to them? What are they going through in their life? What's happening in their relationships with me and with other people? And so God, self, others. But there's one more category that you and I think in every day that's about stuff. You've got responsibility, things that you're doing work that you're engaged in, the, the duties of life. It's just the stuff of life. And so your mind is being filled day in and day out uh, with these thoughts, God, self, others, and stuff. Would you say those with me? God, self, others, and stuff. All, those are the four categories of thinking. Most of the time, your thoughts are generating all around those. You can't really necessarily always pull them apart. Uh, they're kind of jumbled a bit together, but this is what's going on in your mind. Also in your mind, as you're thinking about God, self, others, and stuff, you over time, because you're a creature of habit, we all are, you have formed thought patterns. This is the way you think just habitually. Without thinking about it, you just do it. An example of that is when you wake up in the morning, I guarantee you, you have a ritual. I don't know what your ritual is, but you have one, and probably every morning you go through that ritual. There's certain things that you do in a certain sequential order, and you don't think about it. You've just gotten into the habitual pattern of doing things that way. And when you go on vacation or you go out somewhere, you get a little bit out of sync because your habits are changed a bit, and so you have to make adjustments. We all have habitual patterns in every area of life, including our thinking. And when you think a certain way over a period of time, it creates a pathway of thinking in your mind. 
In fact, actually, according to neuropsychologists, neuroscientists, they tell us that actually the mind forms little grooves or little ruts, if you will, little thought processes or patterns that are very easily followed as those nerves fire together. One uh, neuroscientist said it this way, the, the, the cells that fire together wire together. And so we form these patterns of thinking, and then we head down them without any consideration at all. And sometimes they're not very good. Sometimes they can be healthy, but many times they're not healthy. Sometimes you have unhealthy thoughts about God, unhealthy thoughts about yourself, unhealthy thoughts about other people, bad thoughts about the stuff you're dealing with. So our patterns can be very, very challenging to break, especially if they're negative and bad and wrong. One of the things that really, really gets us in terms of the patterns of thinking is sometimes we get locked into uh, what I'm describing this weekend as childish thinking. For some reason, somewhere along the line, and I'll come back to some of the reasons later, but we get locked into a way of thinking that is very immature. It's not really the way we ought to be thinking as responsible adults. And so because of that, we act in an adult world in childish ways, and all of us do that. We think in an adult world in childish manners. The Apostle Paul described this in his own life, and if he had to deal with it, I guarantee you that we have to deal with it as well. And he describes it actually in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 13, excuse me, verse number 11. And listen to what he said. Very powerful verse if you really understand what he's talking about here. He said, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, read the rest with me, I put childish ways behind me. Now, of course, he's talking about the maturation process uh, that all human beings experience moving from childhood to adulthood, but I, I think he's talking about something more than that. He's talking about some decision points in his life where he recognized that he was reasoning in an immature way, that he was thinking in an immature way, and he learned how to put childish ways behind and to actually embrace uh, more adult or mature thinking. I learned to think like an adult rather than like a child, Paul says. He made a decision to grow up in his thinking. And so what we're going to do this weekend and next weekend is going to talk to you about actually how to move from childishness in your thinking to maturity in your thinking. It's a journey that all of us are on. And before I get into today's message, I want to remind you that today's message will be a great, in it will be a great temptation as you listen to think about other people that really should be here today. I wish so-and-so really was here to hear this message. But the message really is not for somebody else. The message is for you. In fact, why don't you turn to your neighbor right now and say, this message is for me. Let's go ahead and get it out of the way. This message is for me, okay? That's important because I don't want you during today's message to be thinking about all the people that should be here, okay? I want you to think about I'm here and I need to hear this, okay? Because it's easier to see childishness in somebody else than it is in yourself, correct? It's so easy to point it out and see childish, immature ways in in those around us and to fail to recognize it in our own lives. But today is a day that we're kind of pulling up a big spiritual, spiritual, emotional mirror, and we're looking into it, and we're saying, okay, what about me, God? So I'm going to give you, and these two weekends, I'm going to give you seven principles 
for moving from childish thinking to mature thinking. Today I'm only going to give you four, and so we'll work through these four together. Next weekend we'll look at three more, so you want to be back next weekend as we continue this theme and the broader theme of Remind. The first thing today you must understand, if you're going to move from uh, childishness to maturity in your thinking, you have to see the signs of immature thinking. You have to see them. You have to recognize signs in your life that this is a problem in you. You cannot get rid of childish thinking until you see it for what it really is, until you recognize it in your So what I thought I would do for the next few moments is to just actually walk you through some symptoms of childishness, some symptoms of immaturity, okay? I'm going to ask you to read these with me, and this is sort of going to be a checklist for you as we go down through these these, uh, 11 things together. I want you to think, is is this me? Is this characteristic of who I am? Again, who's the message for today? It's for you, right? And me. So it's not about anybody else. So you're going to step up to the spiritual mirror and really be honest with yourself and say, okay, is this me? Is this a reflection of me? And so both in Frederick and in Gaithersburg, I want us to read these 11 things together. I'll make some comments uh, on them as we go through. What do children do? First of all, they cry, pout, and whine a lot. Would that happen to be you? Number two, they demand attention. They always have to be the center of attention. I have five grandchildren, and I will assure you that when all five of those grandkids get in my house, they're all competing for my attention. They always want to be the center of my attention. They want to make sure that I'm looking. Look at me, Papa, okay? Look at me, Papa. And so that is a child. That's the way a child behaves. But many times, even as adults, we, in subtle ways, we're still trying to demand the attention of others. Number three, they turn little things into big things. Isn't that true of kids? You take a kid and they get just the barest little scrape on their knee. I mean, it's not even bleeding. I mean, you would have to actually paint red paint on it to even imitate blood. Okay, there's no blood around. But they're screaming at the top of their lungs. You would think that they would have just been decapitated. You're not quite sure what has happened. And what's going on is they've got a little scratch and this little thing in their mind has become a very big thing. How many adults do the same thing? Some little thing occurs in your life and you pull up this huge magnifying glass and before long something very small is huge. Number four, kids are impatient. They want what they want now. That certainly does not describe anybody here, does it? Okay. Number five, they are jealous and competitive. They're always wanting to be better than They're always thinking about where am I in relationship with somebody else. They're always comparing themselves with those around them. That's a tendency of childishness. Number six, they lack control. Read with me. They lack control. That's self-control and emotional control. What's one of the things you have to teach your children as they're growing up? Okay, you can't when you get mad. You just can't go over and hit somebody. Okay? You can't do that. Okay? When you get mad, you can't throw things, okay? When you get mad, you have to control your, atten- you have to control your emotions. You have to learn something about self-control. Well, guess what? There's still a lot of adults that haven't learned that process. They still are being controlled quite significantly by the emotions of their life. They may not still be picking up things and throwing them, although some may be, but they still are being controlled and dragged along by emotions. Next one, here we go. Number seven, they are easily hurt and offended. Have you noticed how easily little kids get their feelings hurt? Well, guess what? There are a lot of adults. I mean, if you look at them the wrong way, man, their whole day is ruined. Their life is ruined, okay? 
because they easily pick up offenses. They, 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 they attract offenses in their soul and spirit. They, number eight, fuss and fight a lot. There's always a lot of tension. If you've got two or three kids at home, you can say amen to that one, right? Okay. You saw it a few moments ago. Who's going to take the Bible, okay? Well, we almost had a little conflagration on the platform. That's normal for kids, okay? That's what they do, okay? That's the natural thing. Number, number nine, they are self-centered. Number ten, they are fanciful, fantastical, naive, and idealistic. That's how kids think. I'm going to show you a story in a few moments from the Bible that proves this very fact, that when you're immature, you build this sort of fanciful world in your mind, this fantastical way you want your world to be, this naive way of thinking, this idealistic expectations that you have of other people. And so because of all these idealistic expectations you have in your mind about how the world ought to be and how other people ought to be and how they ought to treat you, then what happens in your mind, you're always living with disappointment and frustration because nobody ever meets your idealistic expectation because you've got a wrong way of thinking about the world anyway. And the 11th one, they prefer what? Play over responsibility. Every kid I've ever met would much rather play than clean up their room. They would much rather play than do their homework. They would much rather play than do something that requires some kind of effort from them. So I want to read this list for you again. I want to see, uh, I'm going to read it, so now it's just you in the mirror, okay? Uh, you don't have to read with me, but I want you to, again, go through the checklist and say, which of these apply to me? Here are the lists. Cry and pout and whine a lot. Demand attention. Turn little things into big things. Are impatient. Want what they want now. Are jealous and competitive lack control, self-control and emotional control, are easily hurt and offended, fuss and fight a lot, are self-centered, are fanciful, fantastical, naive and idealistic, and prefer play over responsibility. Proverbs 22:15 says it this way, young people, that is immature people, are prone to what? Foolishness and fads. Foolishness and fads. Childishness is expected from a child but it's not to be expected from an adult. Here's your second point today. You have to understand, if you're going to move from childishness to maturity, you have to understand the consequences of childish thinking. I've noted through the years in my own life and, and in the lives of people that I try to lead as a pastor and help them along their journey is that oftentimes people don't make a change in their life until they understand the consequences of how they're living right now. If you don't get that your life choices at this moment are leading you to a bad place, there's a high probability that you'll never change them. It's only when you realize, my goodness, this is where it's leading me, that there's some motivation to change. I mean, you'll never realize, you'll never change probably some of your health habits until you really realize this thing is going to put me in an early grave. One of the reasons why a lot of people cho have chosen to, to, to quit using tobacco products is because our, 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 we've had a very clear uh, advertising plan to help people understand what the health consequences are of using tobacco products. And so because of that, people woke up and said, well, I don't want that to be me. And so the consequence, the awareness of the consequence, drove them to the action of making a change. It's true when it comes to childishness as well. If you don't think that your childishness is having an impact in your life in a negative way or in your relationships, you will never be motivated to change. You might even know that these are the symptoms of me, but hey, so what? That's just me. 
And there are a lot of people like that that say, you know what, yeah, I'm, I, I pout a lot, but that's just me. Or, yeah, I get angry easily, but that's just me. Or, yeah, I don't have a lot of self-control, but that's just me. And they don't realize that this is childish stuff, and it leads to some bad places, bad consequences in our life. And so I thought what I would do, just give you four negative consequences. There are many other consequences we could talk about, but four negative consequences of being childish in your thinking. The first negative consequence is that you will live an angry, frustrated life. I'll tell you why. Because childishness, childish thinking doesn't work well in an adult world. And so what happens when you're childish, you again, you have all kind of feelings and and expectations that you're not managing well, and you bring those childish thoughts into an adult world, and the world is not cooperating with you the way you want it to, and so there's a tremendous amount of anger and frustration in a person's life. And maybe that's you today. Part of the reason that you're so angry on the inside, it's not really the world that's the problem out there. It's not the people out there that's the problem. It's you. You're carrying a lot of childishness in your thinking. Second of all, you'll live an impulsive and irresponsible life. Impulsiveness really is this. I'll go back to what I said a moment ago. It's a life driven by emotion. And there's so many people today, even as adults, that they, they are driven by their emotions. Whatever they feel is what they end up doing. Instead of filtering it through a, a wise process of thinking and good godly help and counsel along the way, just whatever their emotion of the moment is drives them to an action and they become very impulsive in the decisions of their life. And impulsive decisions, generally speaking, I'd say 98% of the time are not good decisions. Good decisions are well thought out decisions. And so thirdly, you'll live an isolated life. Because it's very hard to build good relationships with someone that's childish, isn't it? When somebody's a child and they're thinking, their emotions, I mean, how do you, I mean, how do you, if you, if you want to be an adult, okay, how do you build a relationship that some, with someone that is immature? It's really difficult. And so what happens when you're immature, you're actually hindering the development of meaningful, fulfilling relationships in your life, and then you're saying, I don't have any friends. I don't have any people in my life. Well, guess what? Grow up, and you might have some, okay? Grow up, and you might have some connections with people that you can't seem to form right now. The fourth thing is that you'll have a wasted life. Let me explain what I mean by that. You can play your way through life and be successful, there are a lot of people that play their way through life, and they, they're succeeding. They're, they're getting the stuff they want. They're getting the toys they want out of life. And by the way, there are a lot of people, the only reason they're working and being successful in work is because they can buy the toys they want to play with after work. And so they're still buying toys, just more expensive toys. And you can succeed in life as a, as a childish thinker at some level. But what you will never have in life, listen closely, you'll never have significance. Because you can't, significance only happens when you become an adult, when you rise up to responsibility, when you come to the place of saying, you know what, it's no longer about me, it's not about my toys, it's not about my joy, it's not about everything that I want for me, it's about me taking my life and investing it in something that goes beyond my life or something that is bigger than my life, the kingdom of God and the generation that's coming behind me and the people around me that now suddenly have moved beyond not my concern about my success so I can get my toys, but my significance so that I can impart a legacy that lasts beyond me, right? And children don't think that way. You can only get to that point when you begin to think like an adult. Here's the next point for us 
in our four-point journey today. You have to make a decision, a major life decision. If you see the signs, listen, if you see the signs in you today, and again, who's this message for? It's for each one of us, right? If you see these signs in you today and you realize, okay, this is where it's taking me, if I continue to live this way, I'm going to be angry and frustrated. I'm going, to be, uh, I'm going to be impulsive. I'm not going to have the best relationships. I'm going to waste a portion of my life. If you see this in you today, what do you do? You have to make a major life decision. And what is the major life decision? It's right there on your notes. Read it with me. I'm growing up. Say it with me. I'm growing up. I am making a choice to grow up. That is exactly what the Apostle Paul said. He said, I made a decision to put childish things where? Behind me. To say, I'm not going to live that way anymore. I'm I'm an adult now. I want to give you a story from the Bible that many of you are familiar with that will really illustrate that... um, that adulthood is really it's a decision. It's something that happens to you on the inside before it happens to you on the outside. Let me say it again. Adulthood, true adulthood, is something that happens to you on the inside before it happens to you on the outside. I'll prove it to you. How many of you know some 50-year-old babies? Right? You know some 80-year-old babies, right? Some 30-year-old babies. And so outside they are they chronologically they have an age they've achieved but internally they're still immature right so real adulthood is not a chronological age it is an attitude inside let me go to the other extreme have you ever met a 30 25 30 year old person and you were amazed at how mature they were because even at a young age, they had accepted a lot of responsibility. Because they accepted responsibility at a young age, they were already operating at a very mature level. So again, their age category is not really, did not define their maturity level, their adulthood thinking. And I want to take you to this story in Luke chapter 15 because it brings us to a young man. And I, and I say that young man because it just, the story is about a young man. But you don't have to be young to be immature. That's the point I'm trying to make. But this story happens to illustrate a young man who faced a decision point in his life that helped him to mature. It's the story of the prodigal son, and I want you to listen to it with fresh ears and with a fresh heart today. Here we go, Luke 15, verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate, so he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Everybody say immature. Would you agree? Immature, right? After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, would you please circle that phrase on your notes? When he came to his senses, this is a decision point in his life. He said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. Here's the story. You know it well. Fellow that's very wealthy. He's achieved a lot of success in life. He has quite an estate, quite an inheritance. He's going to leave to his two boys. Older son, younger son, the younger son comes to dad one day and says, hey, I want my stuff now. I got plans. Man, I've got some ideas for my life. 
He was immature because he'd built a fantasy about what he thought he could make his future into. He's already into fantastical thinking. He's already imagined what he can make out of life and how he can make his life so much better than what he has right now. So he's already proving his immaturity by the way he's thinking about his future. He's built this idealistic, fantastical uh, mindset of what he can do with his life. So he goes to his dad, give me my stuff now. His dad said, okay, this is what you want. You're of age to be able to do this, so now here you go. And the Bible tells us, obviously, that he goes out and he squanders everything, just waste it, just completely wasted away, and he ends up with nothing. He's in such a dire straits that he actually goes and hires himself out to another farmer to actually, he's, he's employed as a, as a pig feeder, okay? Now, you have to understand the Jewish culture this is written in. If you, if you were around swine, it was a horrible thing because swine represented total uncleanness. And so here is this Jewish young man having to do something that was highly humiliating in his life just to survive. And it goes on to say that he was so hungry that he had so little that he wanted to eat the food the pigs were eating. It's an amazing story. And this goes on, we don't know for how long. It's a parable that Jesus is telling. So it's a story that comes alongside a truth that helps us to understand a truth that Jesus wants us to grasp. And so here's this point in this young man's life where he looks over his life and suddenly there's this mirror that pops up, hopefully like a mirror for you today. And the mirror pops up and he says, you know what, this is not a good way to live. Even my father's servants back at home are being treated better than this. And he has what the Bible says a come-to-his-senses moment. Have you ever had a come-to-your-senses moment? When you wake up and realize, my goodness, look at what my immaturity has done to me. Look at, what my, look at the choices that, that, that now I've, I'm suffering the consequences because of what I've done. He had this come-to-his-senses moment. And he says this, now that I see, now that I've seen the mirror of myself, and I realize it's not my dad's fault, it's my fault. And I realize it's not somebody else's issue, it's my issue. Now that I see it, I'm going to make a decision to do something about it. I'm growing up. I'm going to go back home where I should have been all along. I'm going back to dad's house. And he turns and he heads back home. We'll pick up the story there in a few moments. But what I want you to see today is this, dear one. There's some of you here today that today needs to be your come to your senses moment. It could be the turnaround for your marriage. It could be the turnaround for your relationship with your children, your work environment. It could be the turnaround in your life in a very significant way or significant ways. That if today, maybe you say, well, Pastor, I'm not like that guy. I haven't squandered everything. Well, no, but we can squander things without it being so extreme. We can squander opportunities. We can squander relationships. We can, again, be living a wasted life that we don't recognize until there's this moment that we look in the spiritual mirror and we say, you know what? I, I need to come to my senses. This is really immature the way I'm living. This is really immature, the way I'm thinking. I know that God has something better for me than this. I don't want to live at this level anymore. And so my prayer as I was preparing this message this weekend is that many of us, if not all of us here today, would have a come to our senses moment. Because when you have a come to your senses moment, it motivates you to make a decision. 
Just like this young man did. He said, I'm going back. I'm going to retrace my steps. I'm going to change my life. I'm going to do something that I've needed to do for a long time. I'm going to get things right with my dad again. I'm going to make sure that I'm thinking more maturely. I'm not going to stay in this situation forever. And he goes back home to his dad for reconciliation and restoration. So today in your life, where do you need to have a come to your senses moment? And this brings me to my last and final point today. Ask God to restore you. I'm going to talk just for a few minutes today about another element of immaturity that kind of weaves in here a bit. It's sort of tangential to what I'm talking about, but it's, it's, it's very important that I talk about this. Sometimes people are immature. People are immature for a lot of reasons, okay? Sometimes they're immature just because they're immature, okay? They just never decided to grow up. They, they like being a kid too much, and so they just don't want to grow up. Other people are immature, listen closely, because of events that have happened in their life that, that stunted their, their spiritual and emotional growth. Sometimes we have traumatic events, painful things that happen in our life, especially as we're growing up, that there's a pain moment that just sticks inside of us that we're, we're, we haven't shaken free of, we haven't found healing for, and so that pain locks us into an immature pattern of thinking, an immature pattern of reacting. It may have been a, a father that deserted you. It may have been a, a, a other traumatic event that happened in your life, a pattern of rejections that you've experienced in childhood, a variety of things that can happen. We, we, we carry these things in us, and sometimes what happens is it stunts our emotional growth. And when something similar to what happened to us then happens to us again, what does it trigger? It triggers in us the same reactions that we had when we were a kid, right? Okay. We find ourselves acting like really immature. We wonder, why am I acting so immature? But what's happening is pulling on pain inside of us that we haven't resolved yet, okay? that we haven't found healing for. And so we call it pushing somebody's buttons. You ever had your buttons pushed? Okay. Everybody, have, everybody has buttons, right? Anybody that has a button in your life, raise your hand. Okay, come on. That's 100% of gate. Frederick, come on, raise your hand, okay? All of us have buttons. And usually the buttons are related to our pain. And notice this. Here's how it happens. We have the pain. Oftentimes we don't even realize it. Something happens that triggers our pain. And so we react in a way. And then when we react, we actually create more pain. Which feeds into the past pain. And it keeps us sucked into this pattern. And there are a lot of people that are sucked into patterns of immaturity because of pain, okay, because of stuff they've never resolved on the inside. That is not, listen, that is not the only reason that we are mature. Sometimes we're immature just because you're immature. But sometimes it does have to do with pain. And what I want you to understand today is if that's the case in your life, if some of your patterns of immaturity are connected to pain in you, then I want you to know this. God is the healer of hearts, okay? God is the healer of our pain. See, I, I, I'm, I am so thankful that I can stand before you this morning. I can tell you something about Jesus. Jesus is the healer, okay? He's the Savior, yes. He's the coming King, yes. 
But I want you to know today that Jesus Christ is the healer and he's the deliverer. He is alive to heal. He is alive to deliver. He rose from the grave and he has the same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to help you with the pain in your life right now. Let's go to the scriptures and take a look at this very quickly as we're wrapping up here this morning. Psalm chapter 23, verses 1 through 3. I'm going to ask you to read this together with me. You're going to read from the New King James Version. Let's read it aloud and loudly. Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He... What does he do? Read the rest with me now. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Now stay with me on verse 3 just for a moment. What does David, the, the psalmist, say the Lord as the shepherd will do for us? He, he does what? He restores my soul. And then what follows on the heels of the restoration of the soul? He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. See, a lot of us are trying to walk in paths of righteousness before we have our soul restored. And the, the biblical pattern is restoration then righteousness. Say it with me. Restoration, then righteousness. The more restoration occurs inside of you, the easier it is to walk in righteousness, right? Okay? We like to flip it around. Well, be righteous and you'll get restored. No, no, no. Get restored and then you can walk in righteousness. And that's the biblical pattern that God says, I'm here to restore you. I'm the Lord, your shepherd. I want to restore you so that you can walk in paths of righteousness. If I brought a really old car to you, maybe a classic car, but it had not been restored, it had no engine in it, it was like breaking apart, and I said, drive the car. You would say, I can't. I have to restore it first. Okay? No, I command that you drive the car. There's no motor in it. Drive it anyway. Wouldn't that be silly? So what for the car to move, what has to happen? There has to be the restoration, and then there's the, there's the capacity to do something. And what we need in our lives to be able to move in paths of righteousness is that we need the restorer to come to our soul. And the good news is that he says, I will. I am the Lord, your shepherd. I restore souls. That's the business I'm in. Now look at Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 17. Let me just read this for you. This is God speaking, but I will restore you to health and heal your wounds, declares the Lord. I want you to grab that as a promise for your life today. If there's some pain point in you that has locked you into some immature patterns of living and being, let me tell you today that God says He wants to restore you to health. He wants to heal your wounds. He is the Lord, your shepherd, that restores your soul so that you can walk in paths of righteousness for His namesake. That's the promise, okay? Now let me take you back to the Scriptures. We're going to wrap up with this. Go back with me to Luke chapter 15. See this very thing in the life of this young man. Verse 20, Luke 15. So he got up. This is the same young man. He came to his senses. He got up, went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Quick, quick. 
servants, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Notice what happens. Here's the young man. He comes to his senses. He makes a decision. I've got to grow up. Life is better as a servant back with dad than where I'm at right now. I'm going home. Now go to the other side of the story. The young man is on the journey home and the Bible says that the father runs out to meet him. Which means that the dad had been waiting for him to come home. The dad had been looking for him to come home. Every day he'd go out and say, I wonder if my, my son's coming home today. I have hope that he's coming home today. And when he saw his son still a long way off, the Bible says that he ran and he, what did he do? He ran and gave him a lecture. Is that what it said he did? He did? I told you this is what was going to happen to you. Bad boy. You always been trouble to me. No. The Bible says that he ran and threw his arms around him and kissed him and put a robe on his back and sent news. You guys go kill the best calf we've got because we're having a party. My son who is dead is alive again. Here's the, here's the news I want to leave with you. As soon as you come to your senses and realize that there's some immature ways of thinking in you that need to change, and you turn and make a decision to go in the right direction, I want you to know God will meet you. God will meet you. And He won't meet you with a lecture. He'll meet you with love. He'll meet you with grace. He'll meet you with kindness. He will meet you with restoration. And what will happen is you can move, begin to move from childish thinking to mature thinking. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word this morning. I pray for our Gaithersburg and Frederick campuses, all, all the folks gathered here today. I ask, Lord, two things. Number one, I pray, Lord, you'll help all of us to come to our senses. I pray that in this moment where we have been, Lord, living in some immature patterns, that we would see it. For some of us, it might be the first time in our life that we'll ever recognize it. But let it be this recognition moment that we see, even as this young man did, that we're suffering consequences because we're not thinking the right way. And then, Lord, I pray also for those, as we make that decision to turn toward you, that there would be also restoration. I pray for the pockets of pain and the hearts of people today. Lord, pain that has locked them into childish ways of reacting. I pray that you, Lord, by your restorative grace and your restorative power would come today and heal brokenness in us, Lord God. I pray that you would come today right now by the Holy Spirit and extract pain from our souls. Help us today, Lord God, to find what you've promised in your word that you would restore us to health again, to wholeness. Work that deep in our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that will make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. 
You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward. In Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.